Welcome to the ReChurch Podcast. This is Tyler Armstrong, the student pastor at 12th Street Baptist Church in Rainbow City, Alabama, with our lead pastor, Thomas Winborn. We are asking the question, how can we become the church that Jesus intended? Well, good morning, good afternoon to all of our family and friends who are checking in on the ReChurch Podcast. We are here in the luxurious Thomas Winborn's office. I'm here with Thomas Winborn. What's up, man? What's up, man? Luxurious? Is that a good word for this place? I feel like it's <laughs> messy and eclectic. Dude, it's actually, it's really funny. You know, it's actually meant to be like a, a small group space. Yeah, right? and it's small. <laughs> it I literally had to get rid of like, I don't know, a fifth of my books to come here. Yes. You know? Yes. So. And, um, and, and I mean, I have a I have one of the larger offices because my office is actually designed to be an office and it's still small. Yeah, it is. Small. I mean, because yeah. I mean, it's just the way we design these things. But yeah. y'all, um, I just want to just tell you one thing. My audio may sound better this week because I listened to the podcast the other day and I've been using this like really small, tiny, uh, really, I'm just going to use the word jank mic stand. Um, and I've been like trying to talk, thinking it was picking me up and it wasn't. And so I apologize for last week's audio if you couldn't really hear me a couple times. Uh, but you can hear me today. I know you can. So today the topic is what is one of your favorite movies? Last week we kicked off with what's your favorite TV show? So what's one of your favorite movies? So I'm gonna let Thomas kick this one off. Yeah, so this is really an all time like top one for me. And I wouldn't say it's because this the cinematic stuff. I mean, it's good. Okay. I wouldn't say it's like the best movie ever, but I just always have loved this movie. And it's uh, one that not a lot of people have seen. So I like to say that when people ask this question, because it's a hipster. Yeah. Right. (laughs) It's called the ghost and the darkness. And so, um, it's got Val Kilmer and Michael Douglas in it. It was like 1996 or something like that. It came out. Um, I was three. Yeah. So it's older, uh, but it's basically set back in time when this guy Val Kilmer is building a railroad for this big giant company out of England in, in Africa, in the, in, in the area where lions live. Okay. And it's about the people he's working with. And it's kind of like, it's a little frightening for little kids maybe. Um, and there might be something that they don't need to see, but, um, it's a really good movie, man. The ghost in the darkness. I'm going to look it up. Yeah. Right. It's a little I, gory in parts. Uh, the, I mean, we talked about this last week. I was yeah. like, I'm a Walking Dead fan, yeah, so me I mean, yeah. like, it, gory doesn't necessarily bother me. Um, I'm gonna go with this one. I mentioned this guy in a sermon a few weeks ago. He he directed. He probably my all time all time favorite director producer. Um, anything movies uh, in cinema. Christopher Nolan. Uh, he made the movie Interstellar with Matthew McConaughey. Um, now I'll say this about Matthew McConaughey. That dude plays Matthew McConaughey in every movie. Right? Dude, I love Matthew McConaughey though. <laughs> all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. <laughs> I watched a dragon movie one time, a sci-fi movie that was mm-hmm. like a dragon movie, and he played. The only time he ever shocked me, he played a uh, like a I don't know a colonel in the army. He's rolling up in a tank with a shaved head and a beard. Oh, I've wow. never seen that before, and I totally didn't. I was like. Is that Matthew McConaughey? Like I could tell it, but not tell it. It was the best non-Matthew McConaughey role he's ever played. That's incredible because yeah. every role he plays, he plays Matthew McConaughey. Oh, his yeah. his my actually favorite movie he's ever in is the movie Mud. I don't know if you ever seen that movie. I he, have, but I was I was about to say uh, Days of Confused. Days of Confused. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah that, <laughs> I like Mud. All right. So anyway, Interstellar though. Um, I love space. Um, me and my wife and two of our friends went saw this movie in theaters, and I'm not even kidding. Those three people were asleep. And I'm sitting here with my mouth like wide open, jaw drop. My wife looked at me and she said, Tyler, are you loving this movie? I watch this movie once a week. I'm not even kidding. It's a great movie. If it's you incredible. like that kind of movie, it's mind-twisting, sci-fi-ish. Uh, yes. But it's not like 2001 Space Odyssey kind of no, mind-bending. It's, it's, like, it's really it, good. They, they, they brought in like astrophysicists to yeah. like contribute to this to the script and all this essentially it's just this guy who they're it's like future earth earth is collapsing due to climate change and essentially that it, i don't want to ruin the movie if you haven't seen it 
but it involves space travel, it involves wormholes, it involves black holes, it involves like very multi multi-dimensional very like, interesting uh, stuff. it's so interesting and so if you don't understand it please come talk to me our luke parker <laughs> r trey stone when i first started this ministry like we watched that movie all the time together like that like, it is it is like our movie and so hey disclaimer if you don't like weird films do not watch this movie it, it, it's and, and, uh, the whole ending, weird the whole ending is too weird for a lot of people uh, it's yeah, I, I, come on, it is. I don't know if weirds are out. The quality is good, but if you don't like movies that make you go like, "What?" You have to think. You have to think really you hard, have to, you have and to you have think, to like. Yes. You have to like to think outside the box and think, "Okay, I'm going to ride with this." Yes, my Enneagram four that, comes out right here, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, oh, they're so creative. Yeah. Who would have thought of that? And so my wife walks back. She goes, "You're watching Interstellar again," and I'm like, "Yes." Yeah. Well. It's a good movie. It's incredible. All right, so uh, and I was going to say that movie yeah. I was talking about, yeah. the Dragon movie with Matthew McConaughey, is called Reign of Fire. And let me tell you what's really unique about this movie. It's like a six point two out of ten on the IMDb scale. Uh-huh. Uh, but listen, this, these people in it: Christian Bale is in that movie. Reign of Matt, Fire. Yeah, Reign of Fire. Matthew McConaughey and Gerard Butler are all in this movie. It's what like a, a cast. It's like a dystopian future dragon movie. What a cast. It's crazy, man. Like and it's like old school. I mean, I think it 42% was 42% on Rotten Tomatoes? Yeah, it's horrible, but it's, it's so a- good. 2002. So it's it's back there. It's like 18 years old now. You know what I mean? So I, but it's it's good, man. What a cast. I know, it's it's pretty crazy. Okay, I I'm I got to find this movie now. All right, yeah, so I got You'll watch it. I, I used to own it. I don't know where it is now. I lent it out to somebody and never gave it back. I'm kind of mad about it. I I've got it googled right now. I used to I, This is the movie I would just put on and like watch, but I'm not watching, you know yeah, what I mean? That's Revenge of the Sith for me. Yeah. Like like I just put on Revenge of the Sith in the background. My wife's like, "What are you doing? <laughs> just watch Revenge of the Sith." <laughs> so anyway, um I'm a huge Star Wars nerd by the way, so y'all will hear Star Wars eventually. All right, yeah. so who are you worshiping with? Uh so I'm I'm man, I'm Stuck on City You're Light, stuck, bro. man. I love them, man. Like a, mug, I can't, like a mug like, pit. A, a song I didn't like that much like a month ago, I'm now liking a lot better. I don't I mean, just you name it. Dude. Oh, if, yeah, I, if it wasn't my favorite in that moment, now it's becoming it got my you. favorite. So, so I'm going to point out this album. This is an older album. 2000, well, older. 2015. Not really older. It's a good one, though. Yeah, Citizens Join the Triumph. Yeah. Um, Anything Citizens is good. Kind of, and, and this is kind of one of their more poppy sounding albums, but yeah. um, they, have the, they have a great rendition of There's a Fountain on that album. I love that song and, on that album, too. And I finally broke away from 90s music. Aren't you so proud of me, bro? I'm proud of you, man. Thanks. Yeah. Saying you... it was my favorite trend of music. My favorite trend, <laughs> my, my, my favorite like era of music, if you want to be honest, like recent memory. Back when Mars Hill Church was pumping oh, out all I those know, bands, all their dude. stuff, including Citizens, including you, uh, your favorite band, I think. King's Kaleidoscope, man. Kaleidosco. My favorite all-time band. I mean, a lot of the bands I've recommended on here are bands that started at that church. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. uh, and, it, and so I, would, I don't know if you know this. There's actually an entire playlist that they made on Spotify. Oh, it's all Mars Hill, like all the Mars Hill worship music from back oh, in the yeah, day. It's good. It's yeah. incredible. Kenosis, yeah. remember the Kenosis? Oh, I love Kenosis. Oh, dude, yes. I love, they have some good stuff on Kenosis. Ghost Ship. Ghost Ship. We, I've, I've recommended Modern them Post. on this. Modern Post. I recommend them. Yeah, good stuff. <laughs> Just man. So anyway, that's my favorite era yeah. of music. Just so that the podcast knows I'm not like obsessed with like 90s. And I think we created a problem for Tyler. He's paranoid about I it. I was triggered. <laughs> <laughs> all right, what are you reading, man? Uh, I'm, no, how about you go first? What are you reading? Mine's so deep, though. I'm just kidding. For okay, for real though, I am reading a non-Christian book right now, and I'm, I mean, a very anti-Christian book. If you want to be honest, um, it's about this guy. His name is Yuval Noah Harari. Um, he is a lecturer in Jerusalem. Um, he's a he was he's a Jew ethnically, but he is religiously an atheist. Um, he wrote this book called *Sapiens: A Brief History of Mankind*, and I'm gonna read you guys a quote from this book. All right, Homo sapiens, man, 
has no natural rights, just as spiders, hyenas, and chimpanzees has no actual, have no natural rights. But don't tell that to our servants, lest they murder us at night. And so this dude is writing this book about the history of mankind from a very atheistic mindset. And I saw this, I saw this tweeted, I saw this quote tweeted, and I was like, that piqued my interest. Because that's, in my opinion, apologetically, that's a consistent atheist, atheistic yeah. mindset, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, these idea of universal human rights and all this are very Christian. Like I don't yeah. like all of our the, yeah. the, the, they borrowed it from Christian thinking. Moralism so, in general. Yes, it's yeah. it's it's borrowed from Christian thinking. And so uh, this book is a New York Times bestseller. And I was like, okay, I haven't dove into like a like really. I mean, I, I read their articles and stuff, but I haven't like dove into like a book like this since The God Delusion with yeah. Richard Dawkins. Yeah, if you would be honest, yeah, it's a good read, not a good book. Yeah, and so I was like, man, I'm gonna dive in. And so I'm, I'll report back to y'all if y'all are interested in this because I mean it's yeah. a really interesting book. Um, I've, I, it's really well written. I've really enjoyed reading it. But man, what a sad way to live, right? Yeah, like sure. to think they're like. I mean, essentially, he says that like we're the, the epitome only, of natural selection. Yeah, we're the only yeah. animals on earth that make up gods. Like, like he he says like like everything's made up, everything's make believe, like money's yeah. make believe, and everything like like this entire system that we built. I is would all say that we as Christians, the only people that don't make up the missing link. Exactly. But, you know. Yeah. And so, really good book, though. I mean, I, and so, if, if you, once again, I would encourage you, take caution going into these things if you're not well rooted, if you're not, like, rooted and, sure. and know what you believe. Like, I, I would not advise, like, a high school senior to read this, you yeah. know. But, yeah. like, I would encourage, if you're willing to dive into it, dive into it. It'll make you ask some good questions. But I wanted to read a secular mindset, so it's good. I'll let you all know. So back to mine. I, I'm I'm reading a uh, really interesting riveting. read, riveting. I've been I'm actually editing this document. This is it's with a few other people, and uh, it's a 23 page document plus the appendices. If you want to read um, it. it, yeah, it is a nail biter. If you need to sleep, read this document. It is the 12th Street Baptist Church Employment Handbook. Now, why have you been reading that, man? Well, because when I was interviewing for this job two years ago, I asked for the employee handbook, and there was not one. And so then somebody found, I guess Karen, somebody found um, a copy of potentially what might have been adopted. We don't know if it's really adopted as the employee handbook from 1995. And so uh, everything is way out of date. There's a lot of ambiguities. So we are shoring that up to make it match the culture we're in, where we have to be worried about lit the litigious nature of society and, and cover everything, dot our I's, cross our T's, all that kind of stuff. So we've been working on this for months and um, trying to get it kind of nailed down, and we're almost at the end of that. So that's why I've been spending a lot of my extra time reading. I've been super thankful for it, too, because um, like I got here and I got my job description, you know, when I got here and I was like, man, this thing's dated. Like, you know, I came yeah. like five years ago and I was like, man, this thing's dated. And with the employee handbook, you know, one of the first things Thomas did was update job descriptions. Yeah. And so we've got updated job descriptions. We have a modern handbook now that like hell is so clean, you know, from what I've looked at and all this and I'm ready to see the finished work. So yeah. super thankful for you reading that, good. man. I'll be over here reading Sapiens. You can read that. <laughs> so yeah, thanks. Um, what's a book everyone needs to read, man? Uh, a book by Paul Tripp and Timothy Lane. Called, Paul Tripp is yeah. like a favorite of ours. He's a boss, man. Tom, one of Thomas's all-time favorites. I, yeah, I like I Paul Tripp. I mean, I, I read his stuff, but like Thomas loves this guy. I he's do. phenomenal. I do because he's gospel-centered almost more than anybody else I know. He's Phenomenal, dude. Everything he says comes from gospel-centered mm -hmm. stuff. So how people change, it's it's like what you think. It's how do how do you change? It's about repentance, about living life for sanctification. Uh, his four kind of categories are heat, 
thorns, cross, and fruit. So the idea that heat, the gospel light, sheds light on something, it burns inside of you to change. The thorns is the hard, difficult part. The cross of what Jesus did for you already, and then the fruit that comes of that. And it's a really good book. If you want to know how do you change, how do you help other people change, this is a great starter. He's got an additional book that's a giant book that's really hard to read uh, as far as just in one sitting, uh, but really good for if you want to counsel people on Mm -hmm. this. But this is a great intro book. So it's called How People Change. How People Change. I've not seen that one, so I guess another one going on the wish list. There you go. By the way, I have a large Amazon wish list, so if anybody wants to contribute to that. You can, yeah, you can search for Tyler <laughs> on Amazon, and you can buy whatever book he's got on his list for him. You can probably do that for anybody, you know, if you wanted to. Yeah, Thomas Winborn. What's up, man? <laughs> yeah, so, I um, used to keep it updated for that, but not lately. <laughs> I'm going to uh, recommend this one, the ESV Reader's Bible. So last week, Thomas uh, recommended the ESV Study Bible, or was that two weeks ago? God. Can't recall. It was last it was week. Last week, I think. Yeah. No, two weeks ago. Two weeks ago. It was two weeks ago. I just went back and looked. Um, ESV Reader's Bible. Um, y'all, this thing is such a good resource. Okay, so I like reading the Bible the way that it was, you know, naturally written. You know, and this is the thing about Bible. No numbers. No numbers. No verse numbers. Verse numbers weren't put in there until like no, the 13th, 14th century. No chapter. Chapters are in there. No chapter headings. No chapter headings. Okay. Okay, I like reading the Bible this way devotionally. Does that make sense? No punctuation? Well, punctuation's in there. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. okay. Because original Greek had no punctuation, no yeah, chapter headings. I'm, it was a letter. It English didn't have... standard version. It's written in English. Okay. All right. And so, yeah, so okay. um, didn't have all those things. But anyway, so it. What my favorite thing about it is, is it reads like a novel. Like it yeah. reads like a book. And so you don't stop and you're worrying about verse numbers. You actually read the passage as it is in its context. Um, I'll never forget one time I, I, I went to preach somewhere and I left my Bible at home. It was like, mm-hmm. a, it was like an early morning, like school thing. So I carried my ESV readers Bible in there. I was like, man, I got this <laughs> yeah, dude. I literally, five minutes before got a pen out and wrote down like on the side where each verse number starts. <laughs> I'll have to find that. But anyway, I love this resource. It's very good devotionally. Um, I mean, obviously verse numbers matter. They help you to remember, sure. they help yeah, you do these helpful. things, but the ESV Reader's Bible is just so good just to read the Bible as, I mean, really as the original artist, audience read. It still has the chapter numbers. doesn't have any to of the To be honest with you, like we're doing a series right now in Ephesians. Mm-hmm. Ephesians 2, 11 through all of chapter 3. So the way I prep for that, the first thing I do is I copy and paste that onto just a regular like document, like a Word document. Yeah. And then I delete all of the, the references. I delete all of the verse numbers, all the chapter numbers, the titles. And so all I have is a block of text. I make it one giant paragraph so I can go in and let the words themselves show me where the divisions are. Yes, and so that that's a this is doing that. Yeah, it, 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 it's just so it's 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 so beneficial, man. Like yeah, spiritually, it's, it's helped me grow. And yeah. so, um, speaking of Bible, let's talk about a topic that we brought up last week. Yeah, um, about whacking the wolves, and yeah. um, a way to weed out the wolves is by the topic we're going to talk about church discipline. Yeah, did so, you have any feedback last week about the, or about the uh, the topic whacking the wolves? You know, I haven't heard any feedback yet. I got some feedback uh, today from somebody who really said they really appreciated it. Oh, that's awesome. That it was really so, helpful yep. for them to understand. That's a good role to I have. I got some feedback about our um, about our episode on the American experiment, but yeah, I, have I have not got I haven't gotten yeah. feedback about the whacking the wolves yet. So that's encouraging. That's yeah, awesome. That's good. So today we're going to talk about church discipline. This is something that. Um, we read about in the scriptures. It's a word that, you know, we see and that we go about, but at the same time, you don't see it practiced a lot. No, not much at all. And so what we're going to talk about is we're essentially two things, what church discipline isn't and what church discipline is. So, um, the main passage that we, there's two passages we really see church discipline that I would say. Yeah, directly. Yeah, directly, directly speaking. 
Matthew 18 and 1 Corinthians 5. Yeah. Would you say that? Would you yeah, agree with that? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, and that's so, it. Um, I'm not going to take time to read the entire passage. Matthew 18, 15 through 20, I would encourage you in your free time. Wait, no, I think it's good. Let's read oh, it real quick. Okay, so, okay, so let's read it. Okay, I'll, I'll read it for you. Matthew 18, 15. If Sorry, your brother. <laughs> well, I think it's good for the context here yeah, for this. This is the yeah. primary passage yeah. for it. I was just and thinking so, about time because like, we're getting longer sometimes. I know, so. but I'm going to try to keep it down. But this is important. It takes <laughs> a minute, um, unless you don't let me keep going. Go ahead. Are you ready? I, I'm just, I apologize to everybody, man. Like, I love the word of God. I do. Okay. Like, I love the word. So, all right, here we go. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. By the way, that's novel, huh? Somebody sins against you, you're supposed to go to them personally and tell them. That's crazy. What? If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. But if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you, that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, Tell it to the church. This is one of the only times that Jesus uses the word church, by the way. Yeah. yeah. Matthew 16 and Matthew 18. Tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector, meaning as someone outside the faith. Truly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. That verse alone is taken out of context all the time. I think it's the next verse. Yeah, yeah. For where, yeah, this yeah. one is even more so. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there I, am I among them. Now this, that, by the way, So if you're praying by yourself, verses, God's not there, man. Sorry. Right. <laughs> so what it means, though, is that if two or three are gathered to deal with church discipline, God's in your midst. And so you're not dealing with that alone. Yes. Rest assured he's present yep. in the midst of that. It's not about wherever you go, you can have church with three people. Yeah. You know I was I, mean? um, I was telling Thomas the other day, there's a friend of ours, a pastor in town, Mike Nemi, uh, used to serve at the local association. Oh, yeah. And uh, we had a see at the pole, like big student ministry gathering back when I was at First Baptist Church of Atala. And uh, we go to this gathering and uh, Nemi is preaching at it. And the, the theme verse was, for where two or more are gathered in my name, there are among them. And it was like a prayer event, right? Man, my man gets up there and preaches about church discipline to a bunch of students. Well, that's what it's about, dude. It you was so to. awesome, man. I was yeah. like, I was like, "What's up, man? Let's preach the Bible in context, right?" Yeah, if you're and gonna so, preach that text, you have to dude, put that in the context. You of have to preach church discipline, right? Because if you, you you preach the Bible the way it's meant to be read, and that's what it's about there. That's what that yeah. passage is about. When you, but it's never head. about that on a coffee cup. Or, or church people sign. talk about it on a yeah. church event. Like it's I was on my way to I was on a back road on my way to Boaz the other day, and uh, on my way to see my wife's school, and um, I saw this sign, and this was on a church sign in the middle of the country. Yeah. For where two or more gathered, there I am among them. Yeah. And I'm like, come on, man. That's is not God that's with about. you? Of course He is. He's with that's you not by what yourself. this is about. That's not what that's about, man. Yeah. And so, all right. right. So what what church discipline isn't? Yeah, so, it's gonna be hard to talk about them exclusively individually, like without talking about both what it is and what it isn't. Yes, but so, I thought yeah. it'd be good for us to start with the the previous place I served for almost a decade. Um, we rewrote the Constitution and bylaws, and what was funny is that when we introduced church discipline into the new bylaws, it was previously in the old bylaws, but people acted like they'd never heard of it before, mm-hmm. and so it was uh, kind of I didn't expect that because it was in the old bylaws. Uh, but here's some things they were worried about. The things I heard at that point in time were, wow, if you're going to do that, what are you going to do, kick everybody out of the church, or are you want to kick people out of the church? Answer's no. That's not what church discipline is about. Um, another one was, uh, you just want to control everybody. The answer is no. Uh, this is a kingdom. Yes, it's not my kingdom. This is God's kingdom. Yes. Uh, he wants to lead us in the ways that we will find ultimate joy mm-hmm. and ultimate happiness and peace. So it's not about controlling people. It's not about kicking people out. It's also not a way to put your thumb on somebody. Yeah. Uh, that's not it at all. It, it's 
it is a it is meant to be the way that we we see reconciliation happen between two or more parties who are at odds so that we can be like Jesus who on the cross reconciled us to the father ultimately the goal of church discipline is restoration restoration yep, restoration exactly. and reconciliation because that is what Jesus did for us right? yes, I, exactly. mean, I mean on the cross he absorbed the wrath the sin that we had he didn't stay in heaven mm-hmm. he came to us mm-hmm. he proclaimed the truth he corrected the wrong, and then he died on the cross to make it right. Exactly. So that, that that's what church discipline should look like and, for us. Yes, and, yeah. and, and that should be the goal, right? I mean, I've seen so many cases of church discipline just being used wrongly, and it's really, I mean, just being frank, spiritual abuse. Yeah. I mean, it is spiritual abuse at the worst. Sure. Um, you know, I, Jesus lays it out so clearly in Matthew 18, and yeah. so every time I see a conflict between, you know, two brothers or two sisters or brother and a sister, whatever, I say, have you looked at Matthew 18? Like, have you, have you, have yeah, you, well, it's worth, it's worth just breaking down real fast. Yeah. I mean, this yep. idea, if somebody okay. offends you, if somebody has like hurt your feelings or done something against you, they might not even know they've done it. Mm-hmm. Your job, your responsibility, according to the Bible, what Jesus says is you are to go to that person and you're supposed to talk to them between you and that person alone. You don't go talk to Sister Sue. You don't go talk to, to Johnny on the spot. You go and talk to that person that's offended you. If that person listens, then you guys are reconciled. Yes. If not, take somebody with you that you love and care about and trust. I would say somebody's probably more mature than both of you mm-hmm. in the faith, somebody that you trust, you both look up to in that way, take them with you. If they don't listen to you then, then you've got a major problem. If you can't reconcile, you're supposed to go before the church. That's why it's a faith family. Yes. It's a family meeting. Yes. You address it with the family and you deal with it in that way. If they then refuse then you are like basically, hey, I can't even have fellowship with you because you won't even resolve the conflict. This is this is where the word, and we've kind of associated this word with the Catholic Church. I don't even like saying the word, but 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 it, but it is it historically is the word to use, but yeah. I don't think it conveys the right thing. But it's it's communication, yeah, right. Like yeah. I mean, it, it's it's essentially saying, hey, listen, you're not showing fruit that you're a believer. Right. I mean, yeah. I mean well, Paul says in a place where he turned out some people who weren't showing that and they weren't willing to do what was right. And he said, basically, they, they, they cast them out yeah. so that the enemy could have their way with them, hoping they would see the error of their ways, repent and come back. Mm-hmm. So what word way. would you like, like, like? I mean, I personally like the history because once again, historical, I, I, I would, like the imagery. I would say that until you're willing to repent. Okay. Because you are defaming the name of Jesus, you're robbing glory from Jesus, mm-hmm. that we would bar you from meaningful fellowship with us. Yes. Um, and, and that Which means... Which is communication. Yes. But that <laughs> word sounds a it, lot it different than minds of people. It's very ominous. Like, it's very, even in yeah. church discipline, you can come to this church on Sunday morning. Mm-hmm. You can be a part of the gap. We want you to be under the word, mm-hmm. preaching in the word. Yes. But you cannot participate in, in faith family functions. The Lord's Supper. The Lord's Supper. You can't participate in the fellowships with us because you refuse to reconcile. Yeah, you're and not repentant. Exactly. You're living as an unbeliever. So what that means is that's so much so important to us that we need to make sure you understand the severity in which you live. Mm-hmm. Now, th- there's an appeal process. That's what's here. Mm-hmm. Like you may argue, I didn't do anything wrong. You know, so you can have that point when you take it to others. You have other witnesses there to help you work it out. Um, it's meant to be a restorative thing. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, it's not meant to be like this, like, bring down the hammer. And I think that's what Thomas is, I think, is that what you're like, that's communication? Yeah, like, it sounds yeah. like we're bringing down the hammer. Right. But I th- that's where that word comes from. Well, that's what the Catholic Church did. They, yes. they would look at you and declare you excommunicado. Yeah, it's And you're out. Yeah, you're out. And I think that, like, I think the imagery of, like, excommunion, excommunion, like, like, 
Hey, listen, you're acting as a non-believer. Like, like you've, we've went through all these processes. You you're know? outside the community. Yeah, yeah you're outside the community now. Yeah. You're, you're yeah. not acting as a part of the safe family. So that's what I mean by it, just to flesh yeah, out sure. what I mean. And so sure. um, I don't want to seem like the guy's like, no. bring in Mjolnir. <laughs> I'm coming down on, you know, like that guy. And so. Well, no, here's the thing. People are weirded out by this because. For the most part, most churches never practice church discipline, or in the churches that have practiced it, they practice practiced it poorly. so wrongly. Like, and that's and that's what I'm talking about, like the like bring down the hammer, like authoritarian. Yeah. Like, so here's an example. Uh, I won't give names or specifics. Uh, there was a church where, um, and I have firsthand knowledge of all these things. A church where somebody in the fellowship had. Um, Basically, their, their spouse was in prison. They got pregnant. There's no way their spouse could have done it. They were serving in leadership with the church. Wow. They were um, obviously having an adulterous affair. Well, some of the leaders said, we've got to deal with this. Well, a large portion of the leadership said, we're not going to, you're not going to embarrass this family. They mean a lot to us. You're not going to do this to them. And so they want to sweep it under the rug and they were at odds and they did not deal with something that was sinful and unrepentant. And so it split the church and then that church really didn't recover for years from that because they would not follow the word of God and value holiness Man. the way scripture say it. Now that doesn't mean you kick that person out that's pregnant. No. It means you go to them and say, look, you did something wrong. You need to confess that to the church as a leader that you did this wrong, repent of it. And then we want to love you and walk with you through this. And yes. we want to show you the grace and mercy of the gospel, you know, and bring you into the fellowship even more. So 100%. I've seen it happen twice in my time that was a big events one of them was a deacon in my previous church had misappropriated funds mm -hmm. that he had access to a, a small amount very limited amount yeah um when he was confronted we caught it when i caught it we confronted him i brought him in with another elder and i said hey hey brother this is what we found he immediately started crying he immediately looked repentant. He immediately said, man, I did it one time. I really need some money for our family. And it was just like 20 bucks. And next thing you know, I've done it again. He said, I was intended to pay it back. But it was totally, it was, like, it was like 300 bucks total. You know, it wasn't yeah. a lot of money. Um, but he's being very confessional. But he, I mean, he was broken. Yeah. He wasn't just crazy. He was broken. And so I said, okay, you need to resign your position. Um, you need to confess to the church and we need to ask for forgiveness from the faith family so that we had a meeting. We had brought everybody in. He did that. The church got up as he was crying, trying to get this out. He was just so broken, man. He, he was so sad that he had hurt his faith family and that he'd done this. And, and he confessed it when he did. The church got up around him, crying with him, praying over him, hugging him, loving him, and brought him back into that fellowship. It was beautiful. That's beautiful. And it showed that's the power of the gospel of Jesus. Mm -hmm. That's what this is about. Yeah. And yeah. so, I mean, and, and ultimately, this is the thing. So many people have so many negative images of this. But when you hear a beautiful story like that, mm -hmm. that's what church discipline is. And, I, yeah. and, there, and just getting down to it, there's really two types of church discipline in a lot of ways. There's formative church discipline, which is like correcting teaching. Yes. Like you yeah. see that in Acts um, with Paul, with, uh, with Apollos and yes. uh, Priscilla and yeah. Aquila. Is that right? Yeah. Yes. Yes. So we're just making sure. Apollos, making, yeah. yeah. Um, Apollos was teaching, but he was teaching the wrong baptism. So they brought him aside and said, hey, listen, we need to like give you like the correct teaching. And they gave him the, so that's formative. Like that's like, hey, 
you may have said this a little bit wrong, and that's like kind of. And then there's corrective discipline, which is addressing sin, yeah. which so that's what most people associate it with. And so I got down right here. What church discipline is? It's it's about meaningful membership, which is what Thomas just shared. Yeah, yeah. It's it, it makes church membership so much more meaningful. Yeah. When biblical church discipline is practiced. Yeah. Because the family is confessional, the family is repentant, and ultimately it brings about reconciliation and restoration. This is what Galatians six one through two says. Brothers, if anyone is called in any transgression, you or who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Yeah, right. yeah, and that's that's the thing, right? If you done in gentleness, those mm-hmm. who are spiritually mature should do this. Um, if you see something going wrong, it's not offensive to you. You should alert somebody that you think is spiritually mature mm-hmm. to the help elders, you walk the with that. Elders, the Yeah, exactly. And so going to them and letting them speak into this and making them aware even. Yeah. And, and, so. and it's all meant to encourage repentance and to bring people back into the fellowship mm-hmm. with the Lord and with one another. Mm-hmm. And that's why this, the example we have in Scripture is 1 Corinthians 5. Uh, verse 1 says, It's actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you and of a kind that's not tolerated even among parents pagans for a man has his father's wife yeah so first corinthians thomas did a series on this at your previous yeah we called it christians gone wild yeah christians gone wild because first corinthians like that the first like six chapters like like first the corinthians asked paul a question it's so funny to ask paul a question and then paul's like Hey, before we get to answering your questions, yeah. I got a bone to pick with you. And then like a lot seven chat and then yeah. seven chapters. It's just like Paul coming off the top rope on people, man. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's incredible. So first Corinthians five, dude is with his dad's wife. Yeah, so we don't know if that's his mom or his stepmom. We're not sure, but it's messed up. It's messed up in a big way. <laughs> Massive. And we see here that we get down to verse 4 and 5, and it says, When you are assembled in the name of the Lord Jesus, Paul's telling the church this, And my spirit is present with the power of our Lord Jesus. You are to deliver this man to Satan for the destruction of the flesh, so that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord. Mm-hmm. And, and by the way, if you go back to verse 2, it says, And are you arrogant? Ought you not rather to mourn? Let him who has done this be removed from you. In other words, they were celebrating it. Now look at look how free we are. Look how like loving, accepting we are, right? And so he's saying, "Are you should you not mourn over this thing?" He says, "For though I'm absent in body, I'm present in spirit. And if, as if I was present, I've already pronounced judgment on the one who did this thing." So basically, he's talking about this. It seems like the leadership at the church had failed to do what was right. And this is where we see, and while we believe in congregationalism, Mm -hmm. that while we as leaders here are making a lot of the decisions, if we fail, it's up to the congregation to rise up and do the right thing. Mm -hmm. So he's calling on the church. He says, when you're assembled in the name of the Lord Jesus, and my spirit is present with you with the power of the Lord Jesus, you're delivered this man to Satan for the destruction of the flesh, so that the spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord. So, I mean, that's that's really intense language, Thomas. You know, like, deliver him to the enemy, the Satan, the accuser of the Bible. his way so that he will repent and be saved Mm -hmm. so that his flesh will be destroyed yeah so that his spirit may be saved we're often worried about offending someone or maybe they'll leave the church or maybe they'll take people with them or they'll do something best thing for them though maybe it is but right here it seems like it is yeah so that they will see the error of their ways Mm -hmm. does that mean you don't love them no that means you don't say hey you're welcome here but you need to repent yes that's what you do You, you say please come back please repent it's like with my kids when my kids do something wrong I literally have looked at my sons, especially sons, and said, listen, I love you, brother. Please, please don't do that again. Please stop. Repent right now. 
I do not want to discipline you. Mm -hmm. I love you. I don't want to discipline you, but if you do this, I will discipline you because I love you. Because you have to correct that because it's detrimental to your faith, to your relationship with your other brothers and sisters, and it's detrimental to your future. Yes. You know, it's the same thing here. I mean, 100%. And and the thing is, is like so many times, especially in modern culture, the 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 Tupac gospel only God can judge me yeah right right and and that's just not true right I mean and judge you not let you be judged is not what the Bible that's says not for Christians. no the, we are to hold one another accountable and if you yes. keep reading in where Matt, where Jesus talks about that he actually yeah. talks about hey when you judge someone make sure you're judging them with the measure that you judge yourself yes like like, yeah. like why look at the speck in your brother's eye when you got a log in your own I mean yeah, that's so judge yourself yeah. then also judge your brother for mm-hmm. the sake of their good and they're being made holy yes I mean yeah. it, and and so the thing is though is that the church is not to be concerned with judging the outside world. I mean, Paul goes on to say in Matthew, the end of Matthew, uh, 1 Corinthians 5, yeah. uh, but now I'm writing to you not to associate with anyone, uh, but now I'm writing to you not to associate with anyone who bears the name of a brother if he is guilty yeah. of sexual immorality or greed or is an idolater, reviler, drunkard, or swindler, not even to eat with such a one. So if they have the name brother as a believer, don't associate with them. But for whatever I had to do with judging outsiders, it is not, it is, is it not those inside the church whom you are to judge? Well, God think, judges those outside. Think about this too, man. The, the words he used, I'm not, I'm, I'm saying, I'm writing to you not to associate anyone who bears the name of brother if he's guilty of sexual morality. We're like, yeah, man, that also means pornography. Mm-hmm. That also means that uh, if you were living a lifestyle where you're undressing people with your eyes, talking about women in sexual ways that are not your wife to your wife, and you're talking to other people, that's sexual immorality. Yes. Um, he's talking about being greedy. If you hang out, don't let don't hang out with somebody that's a greedy person. Mm. They have the name of brother. If they have the name of brother, right? Mm. Or they're an idolater, they worship other gods. Reviler, someone who talks down about other people, reviles them, puts them down, elevates themselves over them. A drunkard, a swindler, someone who uses bad means for for dishonest gain. Mm-hmm. Somebody who has bad business practices that calls himself a brother. This is pretty broad stuff we're talking yes. about here. And I mean, and and, and these are people that have the name of brother like they have the name of sister they're they're a part of the fellowship they're a part of the assembly that he mentions earlier the idea is they may not really be christians they think they are and that's what so when they step out yes when they are removed they'll realize oh maybe something's wrong maybe i need to repent Mm -hmm. you know and 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 that's the goal of church discipline just going back to that the goal of church discipline is reconciliation restoration and ultimately repentance of sin and let me give the last one real quick i know we're trying to get out of here on this but let me just say this one time i did church discipline with a lady who was gossiping Mm -hmm. i asked her to not do it she continued on sat down with an elder with her and said basically hey look you're gossiping she misunderstood she thought gossiping was not telling was telling lies i said no it's telling truth about people that's not for any good gain you're not doing any it's gossip you're, you're putting somebody down yeah you're putting somebody down mm-hmm. and, and so she she basically didn't realize that she was so afraid we we're going to kick her out of the church when she walked in that room i was like no we would never do that i just want you to change for the sake of the gospel for the sake mm-hmm. of your own soul for the sake of the people you're talking about she repented never did it again as far as i know and re- restoration happened it was Amen. beautiful that, that's what it's about mm-hmm. and, and and that's just it like so many people are so afraid of it but when you look at Matthew 18, there is a step-by-step process yeah. that Jesus makes so clear for us. And why is it so important, do you think? I think it's important because, I mean, Jesus has reconciled us to him. Yeah. And so this is this is the biggest thing. Jonathan Lehman actually talks about this in his book on church discipline. He says he shows these two examples of the gospel. One of them actually talks about you're reconciled to Christ. But then the other gospel talks about, like this other gospel, like this example, you're reconciled to Christ and a people yes. and a family. Yes. So when you when we are reconciled, we are made a part of Christ's body. Yep. And so that's why it's so important about the local assembly, the local gathering, to actually focus in on 
making sure that we're all walking in accordance with the gospel and making yep. sure that we're all walking. And that's why it's so important yep. because if we are reconciled to a body of believers, yep. we are held accountable to this body of believers. And so as a family for families here at 12th street, we strive to practice these things. Yeah. We strive to practice these things. And for a lot of this, it's going to be new, mm-hmm. but it's all for our good. And, and it's stuff that you may never have to experience in your lifetime no. here. And hopefully no. not. But the thing is, we we love this faith family, and we think that we should abide by all of Scripture, mm-hmm. and so we are going to practice church discipline. And we love this faith family too much to let them walk in sin. That's exactly true. Like 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 I mean, uh, uh, to the listener right now, we love you too much to let you walk in sin. Yep. And and so, you, yeah, you need a faith family that's going to lead you in this way. And that's why Christianity is not an, a lone wolf religion. No. Nope. There's no such thing as a lone wolf re- lone wolf in the Christian world. Yep. Like you need the church. For this purpose, because the church is a part of your sanctification, yep. and church discipline is the way to that. So, yep. thank you all so much for joining us today. Uh, we are looking forward to the Rechurch podcast, and hey, keep hitting us up with that feedback. That feedback is so encouraging to us. We love it, um, and we love to hear what you have to say. And also, if you have a topic or anything that you want us to tackle, please tune in and be sure to be looking out for the Q and A episode coming in the next few weeks. See you next week for the Rechurch podcast. <laughs>